There has been much speculation about whether or not Brian Laundrie could have been involved in the double homicide that took the lives of Kylan and Crystal. There are many oddities and coincidences between Brian and Kylan and Crystal, such as Brian's close proximity to Kylan and Crystal, the overlapping dates in the small town of Moab, and the fact that three women were murdered within a couple of weeks of each other. The last point especially stands out considering that there were only three murders in Moab over a span of 14 years, from 2006 to 2019. To have three murders within a couple of weeks seems very suspicious, especially with Brian in the vicinity. As we know, the very night before Kylan and Crystal were last seen at Woody's Tavern, Brian Laundrie had been driven by the police to Bowen Motel to spend the night separated from his fiancée, Gabby. That motel is around the corner, a short two-minute walk away from the Moonflower grocery store where Kylan worked. And on that same day, Kylan and Crystal most likely saw Brian punch Gabby in front of Moonflower. They mentioned to their friends that they saw a guy punch a girl outside Kylan's workplace, as it was a strange occurrence that they had witnessed as part of their day. We've also seen Kylan's father, Sean Paul Schulte, ask some questions pertaining to Brian Laundrie on social media recently, which piqued our curiosity. So we asked Sean Paul and PI Jason Jensen about the renewed interest in Brian and what, if any, Brian's connection is to Kylan and Crystal's case. And one of Kylan and Crystal's friends said that she came around the pool table, came around the corner, and Crystal gave her a hug, and it was a weird hug. She almost felt like it was a goodbye hug. And she was like, and then she just turned around and went shooting pool with the guy again, like as if everything was fine. And uh, I didn't think much of that at first. And then I started thinking, well, wait a minute. Uh, if Brian Laundry was only a few blocks away, <laughs> no, it couldn't be, you know? And so we're going back and forth on this, okay? So then when it comes down to asking the girls to, uh, interview time, and I mean, we have documented footage of these girls answering these questions. <laughs> couple of them don't remember a couple there, and one of them says, yeah, I remember a couple there, and then for all I know, it might've been Brian. You're listening to Speaking of Crime with your hosts, Gia and John. shared a lot of touching moments about his daughter and the rest of his family, too. It was a tough conversation. His pain was palpable. 
He didn't just lose Kylan and Crystal, he lost the girls after having already lost his son Mackie just six years ago. And he lost Kylan's newborn baby, Blake, when Kylan was just a teenager. And he told us about a child he lost when he was very young. He has suffered more loss than any one person should have to bear. And yet, he had the strength to go to Moab right after his daughter's funeral and hunt for the killer, alone. Even in his fragile state, he realized that any lost time could mean lost leads in the case. So he took on the role of law enforcement. Amidst all the grief, he still had the discernment and guts to power through, to turn sadness into strength, and do what needed to be done. It was a very difficult interview to do. It was heart-wrenching. And all I wanted to do was reach out and just give him a hug. We never worry to fall. May sound crazy, but I don't think we ever worried at all. Recently, Sean Paul took to Facebook and posted about wanting to talk to everyone that was at Woody's that last night. And he mentioned that he wanted to know whether the guy that Crystal played pool with could have been Brian. Given how close by Brian was to Woody's the night before, it isn't out of the realm of possibilities that he could have been at the bar that night. But if it wasn't Brian, then it's also strange that whoever did play pool with Crystal that night hasn't come forward to help the family answer some questions, or at least relieve them of this one question. We asked Sean Paul what he thought about this. I want to say there was three girls that were Kylan Crystal's friend, and then there also was the bartender, who I think was, well, was their friend also, okay? They all knew each other, and then very sparse, maybe just a couple of people in the bar earlier on in the evening before the bar rush when it gets busy and there's so many people that you wouldn't know who was around earlier in the evening when the girls were there um their three friends said that they went over to sit at the table in the corner and that just to the right was a young couple sitting at the other table but they just sat there and a little while later, the girls came in and they all visited and had their drinks. And you can see that footage on the, the clip that uh, law enforcement released or however they got that clip, uh, that they were having a nice time. The bar was very thin, no, no customers at all. And one of Kylan and Crystal's friends said that she came around the pool table, came around the corner, and Crystal gave her a hug, and it was a weird hug. She almost felt like it was a goodbye hug. And she was like, and then she just turned around and went shooting pool with the guy again, like as if everything was fine. And uh, I didn't think much of that at first. And then I started thinking, well, wait a minute, uh, if Brian Laundry was only a few blocks away, 
no, it couldn't be, you know, and so we're going back and forth on this. Okay, so then when it comes down to asking the girls to, uh, interview time, and I mean, we have documented footage of these girls answering these questions. A couple of them don't remember a couple there, and one of them says, yeah, I remember a couple there, and then for all I know, it might have been Brian and Gabby, okay? So what, what I want to do is I want to find out if there was a couple there, who the couple was, so we can put to rest that it wasn't Brian and Gabby in the bar that night of the 13th. Um, I know Brian and Gabby were still in the area because I think we got a shot of them at Crystal Geyser on the 14th, which means they weren't too far up towards Salt Lake yet. They were still relatively close. Uh, so, you know, I know that I'm one of the ones who keeps pushing Brian Laundrie back into this equation, but that's because I don't have DNA or fingerprints or ballistics to rule him out. Um, I think that we've come pretty dang far without having this evidence of ruling him out. I think that if you were to ask me, I'd say, no, I don't think it was Brian Laundrie. And if you were to ask JJ, he would say, no, I don't think it was Brian Laundrie. And the same thing with John Freeman Holt Colt. You know, at first I thought, oh my God, he fits the MO. He escapes the loony bin. He rapes to, vows to rape and pillage until whatever they catch him or whatever. And I'm thinking, oh my God, this is a bad guy. And then everybody's posting all these pictures. Well, the red, Red Rocks area and the Canyonlands area, whether it's from Goblin Valley all the way up to Moab, a lot of that terrain looks the same, you know? So we're looking at pictures that Holt Colt has posted and we're trying to determine whether these are in Moab or not. And we're picking them off, to, you know, I mean, the simplest one to say was not Moab, which is a bummer because most of the people on social media make an instant mistake that that picture is of Maine and Center in Moab. Well, that picture is not Maine and Center in Moab at all. You'd be seeing Pasta Jays and the Spoke Burger Shack and everything. It's it's a picture of little tiny downtown Torrey, Utah, where he was captured on their Maine and Center, not Moab at all. There's another picture of him where it looks like he's on a deserted road. Well, that looks like the same deserted road out by Moab, but there's no landmarks. There's no mountains. There's no signs. There's nothing to go off of. And people are telling us now oh, that's the deserted road in Torrey. So between Brian and Holt Colt, if you were to ask me, I'd say probably not. And I think right now, if you ask JJ, he might say something similar to that. When we watch the surveillance footage, we notice that the camera follows the girls as they walk away from a counter and then head to a table. How is it that the camera is following them? At first, I thought that maybe they had the technology where the camera actually followed the action. And my sister, Bridget, had asked me if they had that technology. And I said, believe it or not, it is readily available to the general public in a affordable nowadays. 
uh, it used to not be um, the the tracking where it would follow you, but it was actually a trick, and that wasn't the case at all. Jason, show show them exactly how how they did that. Okay, so here's a stationary camera. Okay, just pretend like the black screen is the whole screen of whatever you're seeing from the the monitor of the stationary fixed camera. What they did was in this camera, let's say this is the whole bar and Kylan's here by the pool table and she comes up to the register and then goes back to a table. What they're doing is they're doing just a little screen grab that's not the full screen, but a close up zoom of her as she walks over to here and then goes back over to here. So then it's eliminating all the non-essential stuff and then when you play it, you're getting a closer up image rather than something that's the whole screen that you're going to have to zero in or get a magnifying glass to do it. So it's just a screen grab that they could actually follow around on the monitor. That's all. I thought maybe they were recording it on their cell phone and their cell phone just looked up in the top corner of the image. You know, and then I thought maybe it was the person recording it was just moving their cell phone to look that's, at the picture. That's another way to do it. But then what you're doing is you're losing image quality by doing that because you're a video of a video. And anytime you do a video of a video off a monitor, you're going to get that natural uh, pixelation of lines going horizontal or whatever. It looks like a wave almost. So you lose clarity. I didn't Here's see a, a question loss of I have, Gia. I have a different <laughs> question altogether, okay? Concerning the video footage, all right? Initially, I was told that Woody's gave law enforcement the footage and law enforcement misplaced or lost the footage and they came back to the bar and asked them if they could actually take the mainframe, the computer, so that they could regain possession of that footage again. Okay, so if law enforcement took the initial footage and then law enforcement took the um, computers, I mean, it's my understanding Woody's had to buy all new computers. They never did get them back. Just like, you know, the car's still in the crime lab. So, uh, where did the footage come from? I mean, was that just a little blurb that law enforcement released? Or where did that footage come from to begin with? Did the sheriffs release that footage? I was going to ask the exact same thing, that who, who did the zooming in? Do you know, JJ, feature. was it... Was it Sadly, the sheriff's that released that footage? This, this is the last known footage of the girls alive, and, and we're watching them at Woody's. Well, who who put that footage there for us to view? Where did it come from? And where's the rest of it? Where's That's the good, rest of that footage? That is I a good question. I thought pan maybe around the bar, Pan around the bar even an hour after the girls left. I mean, I want to see before the girls got there, after the girls left. I don't just want to see a little blur, but the girls were happy. They were not at a threat. They were with their friends. Everything was fine. I'm not saying anything at all against Woody's. I love Woody's. I love their owners. I know the people in that town. 
almost everyone in that town, we all know each other. I'm not saying anything negative about them. What I'm saying is, I, 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 I have a question. Where did that footage come from? And if they're going to release that, where's the rest of it? I want to see more of the footage. I want to see if the girl that recalled Crystal playing pool with a couple, if there's a couple in there shooting pool or not. I mean, that's what I was told in an interview. So, and maybe, I don't know, I'm only assuming law enforcement has all that footage and I'm only assuming they released that little clip so that the public would kind of know, here's the last sighting of the girls and, and who we're looking for. But man alive, it would really behoove me to have all of that footage. It would also be helpful to dispel or verify whether it was Brian Laundrie and Gabby that they were playing pool with, I would think that would pretty much exclude them. Now, if it was law enforcement that put together this clip of it, that would explain why it zoomed in on her because it's to help identify what she looks like and protect the privacy of others in the establishment that they'd have to either blur out or get permission to broadcast it. So maybe that's why it zoomed in on just her. A lot of people have, I've read a couple of times where someone was wondering, why are they following Kylan? Whoever's working the camera is is, is a stalker. It's like, is no. the bad guy. Yeah, that's <laughs> the bad guy. But uh, the, the, the biggest problem that we have to link any killer to Woody's is these you know, if the killer is from Woody's, they had to have literally followed them all the way up the mountain to the camp or have intimate knowledge about their campsite from word of mouth that they were talking about. You know, oh, I'm over at, uh, I'm over at, uh, you know, FR, what is it, 3165? It's like, who the hell would know that? No. Most um, people are You're right. They would have. You know, they yeah, have to know right. that we're 400 yards north of Whispering Oak. No one described that in that kind of detail. They'd have to have seen them there or or ran into them there or something. So let me see if lines. I got you correct, JD. What you're telling me is logically now, logic, just logically thinking that how could have Brian Laundry been there before and then came back when the laundry thing would have been more at the time of the then came back and not had the been there before part is that right 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 because let's be honest if brian laundry's the creepy guy and now they're playing pull with him when they say that guy over there was creeping us out rather than right. saying 100% we would have pointed 100%. the guy out they would recognize the stature of him the shape of him maybe hair you know color of him I, I would think because they saw the creeper walk through their campsite they were in the hammocks they never made a peep because a creep is walking through their campsite probably was going to do something that first night when he walked through. I mean, if he's that kind of a heinous 
you know, murderers that would do that many shots and that much damage and whatnot. Um, yeah, that. <laughs> well, yeah, in much, fact, wouldn't make much sense that Brian would have been up there before or during or even after. You know, if I got in trouble in Moab and pulled over by the cops and was almost went to jail with my girlfriend on an actual violent, you know, what's it called, uh, domestic uh, thing. Uh, in the earliest, shortest convenience, as soon as me and my girlfriend would see each other and get back together and both jump in the white van, I would then be driving immediately as far away from where that incident happened. I wouldn't stay in Moab and then go commit a crime. <laughs> you were already on video with the police down in the town and now you're going to go commit a murder up on the mountain? Yeah, I don't know. But I but I also know that he was still in the area by that crystal geyser photo. So that's kind of interesting. And even on that photo, he said, been out of Wi-Fi for a while. Almost like an excuse for why we haven't posted anything lately. I guarantee you, Brian and Gabby didn't post their fight on their website. <laughs> and remember that key fob that Sean Paul collected a while back from his clue booth? He also confirmed that that key fob from the climbing gym did not belong to Brian. Sean Paul, along with his sister Bridget and their cousins, searched state after state, trying to match up the gym logo to identify which gym it belonged to. He posted a photo of it on a rock climbing site, and someone recognized the logo and identified the gym it belonged to. Sean Paul was then able to get in touch with the gym, and he got the name of the person that the key fob belonged to, which led him to locating the guy on Facebook. He sent that info to law enforcement, but he can't get any updates on what the status is of that individual or that information, and whether or not that person is a suspect. Brian committed suicide using a gun, most likely a handgun. Will the ballistics of the gun he used match the gun used in the double homicide? Do we know yet what type of gun Brian used to commit suicide? And was it a nine millimeter? Well, I, I, I wish I could say we have an idea who the suspect is and we forward that on to the police. That's just not the case, unfortunately. But we do know, you know, we're, uh, if you can't go forward, at least clean up any misgivings, any debunk any theories, things like that. That's what we've been really able to successfully do. Like, uh, you know, we're pretty sure Brian Laundrie's not responsible for this, although we can't really exclude him 100% because we don't have that tangible evidence that says he wasn't responsible. One of the things we'd like to find out from law enforcement from Florida or locally from the Grand County Sheriff's Office what gun did Brian Laundrie use to kill himself? Because that is the one question that 
web sleuthers keep asking us and why it keeps the Brian Laundry theory open. If he killed himself with a nine millimeter, it leaves the question open whether he killed somebody here and then took the gun all the way back to Florida. There's rumors, you know, that he jumped on a plane and took the, to take the, the murder weapon back to Florida. No one's going to do that. Why not just ditch it in the, in the ravine or bury in a six foot hole or something? But anyway, you know, that is what the rumor is on, on the web. So we have to address those things or we're questioned about our investigative uh, thoroughness. So, you know, I'd rather say I don't believe he did it and put him way down the list rather than say affirmatively he didn't do it. And, you know, and then it's something I can't prove either. Do we know if Brian and Gabby traveled across the country with a gun on their trip? Most people traveling across state lines typically don't take a firearm because they don't know what the concealment laws are from state to state. And if they happen to travel in some states like California, you can't travel there with a gun. So that's why most of these van lifers will have knives because they're not prohibited. So. I don't have any information to believe that they carried a gun across the country, but I, I can't rule that out as a possibility either. But no one has said affirmatively, you know, that Brian had a gun that he took with him to travel. The only thing that we have heard from the family's attorney is that one gun was accounted for, but that's not even mentioned as far as its particular caliber, what gun was missing, that they surrendered all the, all, when they surrendered all the other guns to the, to the authorities there in, in a, a North, Northport, right? Can you get any information about the missing gun from Bertolino or the police? The only way that we can do that is to inquire with their, their lawyer, with the laundries themselves, or, you know, with the Northport authorities there, the FBI, but no one's talking. And I haven't gone out of the way to ask any of them directly myself. I figured, you know, they've probably been asked 50,000 times already because lately on any case, I, I'm lately on any lead that I'm involved in with the, the, the Kylan and Crystal case, if there's any crumb or kernel online that I'm responding to, once I get a hold of them, they've already been, you know, interviewed by this person or that person or this group or that group. And everyone seems to think that they can legally go interview people when, you know, just because they were given the blessings and allowed to do stuff on the Gabby Petito case, that was not technically a crime. They're not investigating a crime in that scenario. It's a missing person. And it seems like it's okay for people to call around as a public servant or, you know, a good citizen to, hey, have you seen this person? It doesn't seem to be a problem, but I think they're really getting to the gray area or maybe even crossing the line when they're interviewing real witnesses and potentially contaminating their story by interviewing them before the authorities do. And it's usually a golden rule of mine that if I suspect somebody's a person of interest or a, or a suspect of a murder, specifically a murder, 
I don't go interview them. I let the police know. So I give them a vetted out lead. Here's what I know about the guy. Here's his background. Here's why I think he's a good candidate to, to be a suspect, you know, go follow up with them. And I give them time. If they blow me off, at some point, I'll go interview the guy myself to preserve that, preserve his statement. If I know that the police are blowing it off, not taking the lead seriously, but you always got to yield to law enforcement and the, the preservation of the case and let them seek justice without you causing a miscarriage of that justice by inter interfering. Because one of the things that they can do, if they've given you a warning at some point, they can call you uh, and charge you for interfering with an investigation. Well, yeah, definitely I could reach out to the lawyer and ask, and he can answer it or not answer it. But again, um, I'm not investigating Brian Laundry in this case. If I needed to rule him out, fine. But I don't think it, uh, it's really deserving of too much of my attention because I don't think there's anything that genuinely links him to this crime other than that he was in close proximity the day or two days before. That's a coincidence. I mean, it is a coincidence and sometimes they do occur. And oftentimes you hear in, in criminal justice, there's no such thing as a coincidence. Well, every now and then there really is, let's be honest. Jason showed us the different types of guns that have come into question in this case, including one that looks very much like one Gabby was holding in a picture she had posted to social media. I think it's very important to give visual effects at times. Um, one of the reasons why they speculated that Brian Laundrie had a, you know, a handgun was in Gabby's TikTok. I believe it was like last year, right after New Year's or something like that, 2020. There was a series of photos that she posted. One included a gun that she held like close to her face. I believe that particular gun is like this one. It's small in size, but if you don't know in comparison to another gun, you don't know how big or small it is. So if you're not familiar with this type of gun, you might think it's a nine millimeter, but this is actually, uh, this particular brand is a Glock 42 and it's a model type 380. So it means it takes rounds that are uh, 380 rounds, which are more or less like three, 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 uh, like three tenths of a millimeter. Okay, I mean three three eighths of a of an inch. I'm sorry. So this gun, I believe, is about the size that Gabby had, and it looked like she had it in. You know, it was more silhouette. It wasn't well lit, but it looked like she had it like this. And if you compare this one to my head, it's about the same size. Now compare that to a nine millimeter, which is the rumor that people think that that gun in Gabby's photo was, but it is the same size as the murder weapon in Kylan and Crystal's case. This is a nine millimeter. Okay. And this is, this is a four and a half inch barrel. Okay. Now they can go a little bit smaller and you can get them a little bit longer. But this is pretty much standard size for 
for most nine millimeters. Now compare that to this 380, it's notably different in size. And when you compare the two, and if you're familiar with them both, you can pretty well easily rule out this gun, at the, the nine millimeter is the gun that Gabby's holding to her face. It's more likely this gun because holding this big old gun to my face, there's a noticeable difference in size. It dwarfs my most of my head versus the 380 does not. And you know, it's more dainty. It's more like, like a woman might conceal in a purse or something rather than a big old thing like this you see strapped under someone's shoulder. So if it was those photos that were being used as evidence to show that Brian did this crime, I think they're wrong. I think it's a 380. I don't think it's a nine millimeter that Gabby's holding. Someone would have to convince me by someone with knowledge that Brian had a nine millimeter. Who, you know, the gun dealer, uh, ATF, FBI, somebody with some real uh, forensic knowledge about what Brian owned, didn't own. You know, I shot this with Brian. Here's a photo, photo of a shooting. Most people take pictures of them shooting guns. It's kind of like the fascination nowadays. You know, you see people posing, oh, look at me, I'm a gangsta, you know, online and on their social media and TikTok or, or Instagram. So, If someone could produce a photo of a real nine millimeter uh, with Brian, I, I would think I would think things differently, but I haven't seen that. No one's come forward with one yet. Just a lot of web sleuth theories, theorizing. So with web sleuth theorizes, you know, that's the theory that's not really convincing to me. I want to see it with your own eyes, right? The FBI investigation is still ongoing in Gabby's case, and we have yet to find out the contents of Brian's notebook that was found near his body. But now, Roberta and Christopher Laundry are requesting to get that notebook. Court records show that Brian's parents filed a petition in Sarasota County Court on December 8th to become administrators of his estate, since Brian did not have a will. He had about $20,000 in the bank that they are trying to obtain. Records show that they submitted Brian's death certificate in court, as well as information about his bank accounts and property. According to Brian Enton, investigators did confirm that they were able to retrieve some information from the notebook, even though it had been submerged in water and was wet when found. Brian Enton tweeted this on January 4th. Brian Laundrie's parents are trying to take possession of his notebook that is in FBI custody. Their attorney, Steve Bertolino, tells me this is part of a formal proceeding to administer Brian's estate. Bertolino says, Nicole Schmidt filed to obtain Gabby's belongings that are in the laundry home or in police custody. Rick Stafford and I are trying to work this out cordially. Stafford is the Petito family attorney. We still don't know what's in the notebook. It was found near where Laundrie killed himself, according to the FBI. We 
also asked Sean Paul what new tips led him to realize that the creepy guy was at the campsite earlier than the dates we had all previously thought. The girls had said that he came back. Okay, now, what I picture is I picture there was a creepy guy camping too close to the girl. And I mean too close, like they could see he had food and clothing. He was too close to them. In dispersed camping, there's an unwritten rule where, you know, you don't have to camp on top of each other when you're in dispersed camping. Give each other space so that if someone has a campfire and singing campfire songs, it's not keeping you up all night. There's a space, there's just a general. So the creeper was, was camped too close, okay? Then uh, in order for him to come back with food and clothing, he must have left. And, and the scenario or I kind of picture, of course, we don't know for sure, uh, but the scenario I kind of picture is he creeped him out. Uh, they told their friends, there's a creep up there. And they said, well, don't go back up there. And they said, oh, hell no, there's two of us and one of him, we'll be fine. They went back up there and uh, he had left, okay? So I think he had left and so they didn't move their camp. So then they were getting ready maybe to go down to Moab for Friday afternoon fun, goof off with their friends, eat with their friends, have a couple drinks. And uh, right before they left, he came back. But I don't think they packed up and left at that time. They were just like, ah, screw it. And they went to town. So what that tells us is that he may have been set up there a day or a day and a half, or, or, or he may have even been set up two days earlier and left for a whole day and then came back you know, we don't know for sure what the girls meant when they said he left and then he came back. But it definitely prompted me to think that, whoa, wait a minute, we need to expand our our search criteria for satellite image, cell phone dump, anyone spotting dash cam things to include the 10th or 11th. Why not? I mean, what if, what if he was there earlier than we ex we thought? And all of a sudden, bam, we got dash cam of this guy. Dog the Bounty Hunter spent some time in Moab previously, when he briefly looked into Brian and Gabby's case. And now, Sean Paul has urged Dog to come help him get justice for his girls. He is hoping that Dog can join him and Jason to help get more eyes on the case and to help find the killer. Tell us about Dog the Bounty Hunter. Is he joining your team? You know, I hope he is. I mean, I've talked to him three times. I've texted him 12 or 15 times. Um... What Dog was trying to do is Dog was trying to get uh, a network to pick up a new show called uh, Dog in the Essentials. And uh, the reason for that new show is because he set it up to where he doesn't need a bad guy to bounty hunt. He can, 
him and the essentials can try to solve the case, figure out who the bad guy is, and maybe then go. Because right now, as Dog the Bounty Hunter, he won't help me unless we have a bad guy for him to hunt down. Well, he's pitching this new show to the producers, and it's Dog and the Essentials, and he wants Kylan and Crystal's case to be the pilot episode. So... This would be amazing, great news. Is it gonna happen? I don't know. But when I messaged Dog yesterday and I said, uh, Dog, when are you gonna know if, if they picked up your show and you can come and help us? What he said to me directly, quote unquote, it doesn't matter if they pick it up or not, we've decided to fund it with our own money and we're coming to help you. So that's that. That's all I can tell you. That's recent. It's dog sending me a message directly saying, we don't care if the networks pick it up. We're, we're funding this ourselves. We want to help. Pitching multiple shows to multiple networks. Uh, so, you know, dog's been on tv his whole life he'll probably be on tv till the day he dies i don't know what the show is going to be called but i sure as hell hope he helps us with a pilot episode of a new show that's going to get the most views of anything he could do even if the show fails and the second episode's lower and the third episode's lower the first one's going to get good ratings i'm sure of it so i hope i hope we get dog i hope we get dog and the essentials i hope kylan and crystal are the the pilot episode but uh if that specifically doesn't happen 100 percent like that well he's, he already came to moab i don't know if you guys know that or not but he already actually physically stepped foot in moab so he is actually already kind of trying to help us the problem i have is that the communication between dog and Jason it hasn't opened yet so the floodgates of all of the clues and all of the suspects and everything that's been debunked and all of that hasn't happened yet so we're just kind of stopped and waiting for dog so dogs over here kind of out in the back burner as we proceed forward trying to get John Walsh to come help us do podcasts with you and anyone else we can think of I mean, like i've said before i'll take anyone i can get from dog the bounty hunter to in pursuit with john walsh i'll take any help i can get did he say when he will go to moab he was going to help from afar until we figured it out Sean Paul said there were no footprints or car tracks at the crime scene. The inclement weather in the days prior to the bodies being located washed away any tracks that may have been there. The rain and hail unfortunately cleared out any evidence that could have been gleaned from tracks, and the only tire tracks that were at the crime scene were those of Sydney Sue's car from when she located Kylan and Crystal. A blue car has been mentioned quite often related to this case. So we asked Jason and Sean Paul 
if there is any significance with a blue car. Sean Paul shared that a couple of suspects who were initially questioned by police both happened to drive blue cars. And Cindy Sue also mentioned that when she was pulled over at the crime scene waiting for police to arrive, someone drove by slowly in a blue car, but didn't stop to help her when she was clearly in distress and she had her vehicle hazard lights on. But other than that, there's no confirmed significance of a blue car at this time, and there have been no confirmed suspects that own a blue car. We have no idea what color the car is at all. Uh, A lot of the misunderstandings out there about a blue car, unfortunately, is guided with my involvement because early on in the case, I even mentioned about the satellite imagery that if it happens to spot a blue car, that could be telling and 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 it's not, I didn't use a blue car because I had some person of interest in mind. Later I learned that one of those persons of interest owned a blue car and that's just a mere coincidence. I wasn't trying to cast shade or hint that that blue car may be related to that person of interest and we're expecting to prove it, no. I I picked a blue car because I know that 85% of the cars out there on the road are gray, silver, white, and black. The other 15% are these unique colors, lime green, red, maroon, you know, blue. And the reason why I picked a color is in my description of that because that would be more helpful than if I said, if they see a white car in the satellite, but that's not really helpful at all. The color would be more helpful if it was a odd color like red or green or or blue than if it's black, gray, silver, or white. So I, I, I intended to be that way, but not for the reasons that the social media and the web sluicers think I meant, but they read into that believing I was thinking that one of those people, and we're not going to mention any names, I'm sure they've gone through the ringer enough, that one of those people were the guilty party responsible for this crime and it was just a coincidence. Once I learned that that person had a blue car, I stopped describing a blue car. Has law enforcement shared any information with you? No, they've shared, uh, what do you think, Jason? They shared two things with us, right? One of them helped me clear someone I knew. So I think the reason they told me that it wasn't the Turkish nine mil specifically that we were looking for. A friend of mine said, holy crap, Sean Paul, if this guy killed your daughter with my missing Turkish nine mil. I'll never be able to live this down. And, and I said, no. Well, we looked for it for a long time and Jason, God bless his soul. He did does what he does. Now check this out. This is what Jason did. He actually went and purchased the identical Turkish gun, shot the identical bullet through it, and then sent the bullet to the law enforcement and FBI. And so 
it's like we're used to information going in and no information comes out, right? Well, this particular time, they sent us, me and Jason, a message from the sheriff directly that said uh, that Turkish 9 mil was not the one used in the crime. And I was like, thank God, because I knew both people, the one who it was missing from and the one who we thought stole it. So it was really scary for me to have people I knew. I mean, I mean, I mean, I knew the one guy so well, I sold him a car. I mean, we were friends. Okay? We still are. Friends. But anyway, uh, so they told us that. And then uh, what was the other little tidbit they let us in on, Jason? Do you mean the one where they said it's not Brian Laundry? It might have been that tiny little thing. There was that one, and uh, let me think what else was sent. Um, Did they tell us if it wasn't John Jason Freeman Colt Holt? Yeah, that w there was that message too, that it wasn't John Colt. So I think maybe they told us three things. So one of them was the biggest news in the world, you know, Brian Laundrie. So they wanted us to kind of knock that off. And then one of them was John Jason Holt, the escaped freakazoid guy. So they kind of wanted to put that to rest. And the other one was the little idea of people I knew and they put that to rest for us. But other than that, um, it's been, uh, you know, information goes in, nothing comes out. They're not going to tell me specifically anything because they already know that me and my sister and my mom are all over social media. The last thing they want to do is tell me information because they think I'll just blab it all over the internet. What they don't know is I'm the one that gave them all those clues in confidence and I'm the one who wants the case solved more than anyone. So I don't want to give up evidence. Another reason I'm lucky I have JJ is he can kind of sometimes tells me when to shut up. This is why I help. This is why I volunteer because like what we just saw there, Sean Paul is sincere. He's grieving. He deserves to. He doesn't need to be the investigator on the case. No, he doesn't. This is heart-wrenching to see family members go through this kind of torture. You know, it's just sad murder has to happen. It's sad that people take great people out of out of our, our, our planet, our lives. And, and it's so sad to watch people with broken hearts. And, you just wish you could help. So I hope all of this is helping, including what you guys do. You guys get the word out. You guys are great messengers. But it's sad to, to I hate broken hearts, but you know, what do you do? You just ignore it? No, you step in and do what you can to help. Yeah. And, and along the way, we get new friends. But I really appreciate it. I, I, Jason, I wish I, I really, could have met I really people do like because I mean, I, I wish we I could have met Kylan and Crystal. They sound like awesome people. Listen to Sean Paul, listen to Diane, and those other people talk about their family members. 
you're like, wow, I never even got to meet him. Kylan's mom, Val, lost both of her children. Sean Paul says he still has three kids to live for, and that keeps him going. But he can't imagine how much tougher it is for Val. We have already been asking listeners to share the girl's story and share any photos or videos if they happen to be in Moab in mid-August. What else can we or the general public do to help you? The main things are we're trying to track a, a 9 millimeter gun, whether he bought it from someone else or sold it to someone else or where he got it from, we don't know, but maybe someone might say, hey, uh, I do know of a weirdo that got a 9 mil. Um, we're looking for a dash cam or drone footage of anyone who may have been rolling along LaSalle Road and uh, just past Whispering Oaks, that nice neighborhood is that uh, Forestry Road 4651 uh, where elk camp or bear camp. So possibly footage there. So 9 mil dash cam. Also, the car is a clue. The fact that it was a car, not a motorcycle, not a van. The girls had a motorcycle. They would have said a motorcycle. The girls had a van. They would have said a van. The girls also had a car, and they did say a car. So, um, and, uh, and then the other thing that I think that everyone needs to consider is that I don't think he was just there Saturday morning. I think he was there a day or two ahead of time. So that lends me to believe he saw the girls. He couldn't get the girls out of his mind. The sick son of a bitch almost seemed like he tried to leave, but then came back because he was drawn back to these girls for some reason. So that's another clue. He left, then he came back. Where did he go? Did he go get clothes? Did he go get food? When he went to get food, did he go to the grocery store or did he just go through McDonald's drive through You know, I mean, and then uh, the other thing that we're uh, actively looking for, which I've been doing myself as well, is uh, a good satellite image. Okay. We had a good satellite image by someone's peoples that worked really hard on it for a long time and were able to stitch together those seams and and give us an image but they were at the wrong coordinates they were at the wrong coordinates and then we had another image that came through that you know the social media blew up and said oh my god look at this white truck and this white van and here's the girls down here okay that date that image was kind of a spoof as well because i looked at the dates for a week or two before and a week or two after and they showed the same image so there's no way for us to say it was actually an image from the 12th or the 13th or the 14th because that image was used for weeks so so we can't use that image as evidence so what we'd really like is we'd like now sore earth i already took off the list so don't even bother with sore 
Uh, I worked specifically with the gal at SOAR who knew how to run her program and didn't ask me to train myself on how to run it. She did it for me, sent me two pictures. Way too blurry, way too blurry. I mean, I know this is a miracle, but I'm asking for some like tech company out of Japan to say, yeah, we have images from you know, Friday and Saturday, and, and, and we just don't know that somewhere around the world there is a satellite that did take. And here's another thing that people don't have to necessarily look for when you're trying to find a satellite image. I'm not asking for a license plate number. I, you know, I don't need to read the, you know, to see the, the color of their eyes. I need a color blob of the vehicle color. It doesn't even, I mean, the pictures I got that were really blurry, I couldn't even make out a color blob to go off of. So we'd like to see a satellite image that actually, sh we can confirm what dates they're really actually from, that they're on the right coordinates, and minimum, just give me a color, you know? It'd be great if I had a make and a model. Someone said it's a red Volkswagen Beetle bug. That'd be great. But if someone just told me it's red, then law enforcement could take all that footage. I mean, God, imagine all the footage from loop roads and highway roads and stoplight foot, you know, cameras and, and businesses and, and houses with the ring doorbell and all that footage. And if they had a color blob on a car, maybe they could see the girl's silver Kia go up the road and then maybe see, like a, the example I said, a red Volkswagen Beetlebug go up the road, you know, and maybe have an idea of what car we're looking for, or at least what color of car. So, um, uh, McGarry, I haven't talked to McGarry in a long time. I don't know if JJ has, but I'd like to get back in touch with McGarry and see if he's stitched together any photos at the right coordinates. And I'd like to know if anyone else is reaching out around the world to touch base with other satellite image companies that could potentially for sure send me a specific date and a specific image that might give us a make or a model or even just a color blob so those are things that people can do you know to try to try to weed through or ask questions that it's just like I have people from Australia I have people from Ireland there's people all around the world that are kind of watching and wanting to chime in on this case well Find me a real satellite image of that coordinates and, and let's see if it can't just blow this thing out of, you know, just really help us with just a, that one little tidbit would really help us. You know, just to reemphasize, going back to that uh, evidence linkage triangle, you know, one of the things that, you know, you're bringing up clarifies how important that triangle is if you find the gun or if you find the car, then that ties it all together because the color of the car matches the satellite image. So it shows the crime scene. It also shows, 
if they look at police records, oh, we know which guy owned our, that color car. So then it ties the suspect in the crime scene on that triangle. Uh, same thing with the gun. We know that the, the crime scene shows nine millimeter. The victims show nine millimeter. And if we can show that the suspect owned a nine millimeter, then that ties it all nicely. All three are linked. So, so really, find the, the guns, find the car, go somewhere. The clues we're looking for need to be in that that dark green part in the middle of that triangle. Exactly. All right, Jonathan. I haven't seen your face all day, but thank you and Gia and JJ once again. You know, from the bottom of my heart, just thanks so much for being there for me, buddy. I. I just I can't express how much weight you've taken off of my shoulders and helped me be able to uh, just kind of process things and get through my day. I really appreciate it. Thanks for answering all my questions today. Uh, I guess maybe we should talk a little more. I might have more for you. It's uh, it's Grandpa's birthday today, so I kind of want to put a shout out to my dad. Uh, Dad uh, really misses Mackie Boy. That was his golfing buddy. And uh, mom and dad, of course, you know, miss Kylan greatly. She was smiling Kylan. She was just just like that. Uh, but um, I want to send out a special happy birthday to my dad today, who still was my mother. And uh, dad took us everywhere to baseball practice. I remember he took us all the way to Seattle for the some regional tournament we were in when we were all stars. And I love my dad, I call him Pops. And so happy birthday, Pops, I love you. And uh, tomorrow is Z-Man's birthday. So my one of my littles is going to be a teenager tomorrow, okay? So uh, we were kind of hoping Xander would be born on dad's birthday, but you know, he was kind of late to that party. And so he's got his own birthday uh, on the fifth. So happy birthday to Papa, my pops, my dad, and happy birthday to Z-Man, my little man, who's not so little anymore. He's taller than his mom and his sister now. So. Congratulations, Xander. Have fun flying your new drone, little buddy. The last thing I'm gonna say is, uh, let's keep all these clues and these facts crystal clear. And please, everybody, let's be kind and kind. Uh, that means to law enforcement, to FBI, to JJ, to Diane, uh, all the web sleuths, even the goofy ones. Um, Let's all be uh, crystal clear about our facts and let's all be kind and kind with each other, okay? Let's have a good 22. Let's catch that bastard who did this. Thank you.